Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first-time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host. If you haven't already, connect with her on LinkedIn, Leanne Hughes. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you book out five more workshops for every workshop that you deliver. Last week on the show, we had the delightful Suzanne Rose sharing how you can muster up the courage to park that PowerPoint, to try different things in your workshop, even if you're working against a culture where things are done a certain way. This week, well, I think it's a watershed moment for this podcast. Back in episode 50, I handed over the podcast host microphone to my colleague and good friend, Sean Lavin, who interviewed me on the show. And in that one, I reflected on what I'd learned both personally and professionally from the show. And now what? We're like 147 episodes later. And this time I'm getting an amazing listener, more about him in a minute, to take over the hosting seat for all of the reflections in the last, what, 147 weeks. Um, And also to share a pretty massive announcement about the future direction of the show. Yeah, that's very clickbaity. You'd have to listen in. (laughs) Now, when I was thinking about this episode and the news I was about to release, I really wanted to scale it right back to the intention of why I started this show. I think First Time Facilitator, it found me as well as, you know, I found it at a time where I really wanted to, I was curious around creating the best workshop experience possible. And the first episode landed on the 27th of February, 2018. So I thought it would be perfect to hand over the microphone to a listener who the show was originally created for, for you, you're the legend out there that wants to make every group experience memorable. If you're listening to this, you like to try different things. And you also, like I talked about Suzanne, you want to muster up the courage to start leading these group conversations and to, again, create these memorable group experiences. I'm incredibly excited to announce today's host, who is Jan Schmander. Jan is a facilitator, L&D geek, board gamer, now a puppy parent. I saw his puppy after this call. Oh my gosh, what a cutie. And he's a longtime first-time facilitator listener. He's based out of Madison, Wisconsin in the US and currently has the privilege of running workshops on leadership development and team effectiveness and is excited to continue growing in the field of organizational development. You can find him most active on Twitter and LinkedIn. So I'll put a link to all of uh, Jan's contact details in the show notes for this one. He'd love to connect with you. So please reach out and let him know what an amazing job that he did on today's conversation. Jan's enthusiasm of the show it really shines through. He's listened to all the episodes. He takes notes about the things. He's tried things out. I think that's the most important thing is not only has he listened, he's tried it out. He's had great results and feedback. And and he's look, he's noticed the shift in content over the years as I've evolved as your podcast host. Most of all, what I admire about Jan is his energy and willingness to reach out, say yes, accept opportunities and figure things out later. Like that's what we all do, right? We're as facilitators is. One thing I hopefully you've picked up over the, over the years is just saying yes and trying to figure it out. And if I was to really describe the values behind this podcast, that, those would be all the things, that willingness to put your hand up to try and to put yourself out there. So yes, I was thrilled that he said yes to hosting today's show. Now, as I mentioned, there is a big announcement on this podcast. And if you'd like to help me in celebrating 200 episodes of First Time Facilitator, I would love to get your voice on the show. Please visit leannehughes.com forward slash 200 to find out how you can submit just a quick voice note of what you learned, what you loved about the show, what's changed for you. You probably think, oh yeah, other people will do it. I encourage if you're listening right now, please, I'd love to hear your voice. 
So head on over to leannehughes.com forward slash 200 to find out more details on how to submit for that. Show notes for this one are over at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 197. You can, of course, continue the conversation on the Flipchart Facebook group. When the show is over, it's a free group. We've got 1,600 facilitators there all having an awesome time. And if you want to connect with Yana and I at the same time, I'm jumping on a call. I'm one of the speakers at the ATD Madison Area Chapter Conference, which is coming up on the 9th of November, 2021. A link to that is in the show notes. The theme of the conference is facilitating the unknown. It's free for members or $25 US if you're not. So jump on in, check that out. Oh, by the way, and even though I've hosted so many of these shows, being on the other end, there's a little bit of nervous energy, which is awesome. And I think it's a good lesson if you are facilitating to then, if you can sometimes just take a step into that participant seat and get that perspective as well. It keeps things fresh. All right, let's jump in onto the show. Hello, everyone, to my Australian viewers, my US viewers, my global viewers. I am here kind of stepping in for what I'm going to call a reflection episode extravaganza for Leanne, or real for short, R-E-E-L. Yep, I really committed to that little bit. And what I get to do, folks, is I get to be in the driver's seat, the guider's seat, to recap and guide some reflection on some of the journey that our guest on her own show has gone through um, over the past year, year plus. We'll see where the conversation takes us. So with that, Leanne, I'm happy and ecstatic to welcome you to your own show, First Time Facilitator. Uh, yeah, and I've never been on an REL. I'm so excited. Any opportunity for a three-letter acronym is a good one. So thank you so much for putting in the time and dedication for being here and interviewing me. I'm so honored that you decided to say yes. Yeah, I could not be more just excited in its own right. There are so many things in the facilitator workshop L&D world that when an opportunity like this presents itself, it's one of those where you get really excited in the moment and then you think about it for a little bit and you go, well, of course I have to give it a shot. And so here we are. I couldn't be more thrilled to ask you some questions and I can open up to you and share that my intentions for you and our listeners here today is to really take a view and a lens that's normally on so many skilled and accomplished um, guests that you have. And we get to turn that 180 to our very skilled and very accomplished host of the First Time Facilitator podcast. So my intention is to reflect on experiences, to ask you um, how things have gone, what has changed, and then uh, we'll see where that conversation goes. Amazing. And I love that you've started with intentions. Yeah. When I think about probably the most impactful or the thing that has changed with me the most, at least in 2021, when it comes to the way I live my life at work, but also out of work, it's that word intention. And you know what? Now that I mentioned that, this is actually probably a good time to get into the first thing I wanted to check in with you about. So very early on, back when FTF for first time facilitator was young, you had mentioned that one of your philosophies when it came to, I think, facilitation, but probably in life in general, you could boil it down to one word, and that one word was contrast. And so I'm curious, over the course of, you know, we can say the past year, but if you want to expand it beyond that, feel free to do so. Do you still find that your philosophy of contrast holds true? Or have you found other words of the distance or concepts that you're like, Ooh, that looks shiny as well. (laughs) 
Well, that's the beauty of contrast because I think it does bring in that element of shininess. And in a world, I mean, think about the last 18 months where in like the, you know, the Monday to Sunday, the contrast hasn't been that great. We haven't been able in Australia, been able to travel or do different things. And basically every day I'm sitting in the same sort of four walls. But it was only recently I ran a webinar for an organization and I was again, and I was talking about contrast, right? And I'm at a stage where I've, as you said, Jan, I've been talking about it for three years and I think, have I overdone this? But as I was sharing it, everyone in that webinar room were like, oh my gosh. And the number one takeaway for them was contrast. And when you start thinking about it, I think in that episode where I actually just focused on the word contrast, it is like the magic ingredient for life. Like all the best meals uh, have got contrast. I don't know if you've watched Squid Game recently, but the contrast in children's games and killing people, that is contrast to an extreme level. And it was disturbing, yet it hooks our attention. So as I see it play out all around, you know, the world around me, I, I think I haven't got bored of it. It's only reinforced it and also just go planted it and going, yeah, this for me, it's the ultimate ingredient, particularly when we talk about engagement, which I think is another word for getting attention. Yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned Squid Game and there are other, you know, shows and movies. Um, for example, I haven't watched it yet, but there's a show called Ted Lasso that when I hear about it, people kind of glue to it as here are examples of like leadership and like team building and things like that. And I'm like, at some point, I'll probably watch that. But when you mentioned Squid Game, I have been thinking, because I also watched it and binged it and looked <laughs> away at certain parts and went to my partner and said, can you just summarize that for me? Same. <laughs> what happened? Same. I'm like, I, cannot, I just got on my phone. I'm like, I cannot watch this part. Yes. <laughs> and so trying to figure out where that fits in, because a show like that and just other just various programs and things can take up so much mental space when you're really in the midst of it that you just want to find a way to integrate what's going on in the outside world that, you know, when you speak of contrast, I remember one of the examples you gave in a episode a while ago was just mentioning, yeah, there's a group of folks that I wanted to use the Star Wars intro lettering as it went through. And I remember some of the great questions you asked, which were, you know, is this going to fly? Is this going to accomplish what I wanted to? And at the end of it, you're like, well, at the end of it, we're either going to figure out it works or <laughs> yeah. that it doesn't work. So to me, that contrast of creating expectations in our facilitator world and figuring out how we can break it and almost remold the minds of those participants. Because once you do that, then you kind of have them, or at least their attention in a direction that you are almost at free will to guide for the rest of the session. Yeah, absolutely. And the podcast tagline for a while was creating unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. And that alone is is with contrast. And a lot of people ask, well, how do you incorporate contrast? And Jan, as you said, it was just basically just mapping out what are people expecting? Like literally having a column on the left side, like write down all the expectations. We all know how a traditional workshop works and then going, okay, what's the flip side of that? And not saying pattern interrupt all of it, but if you take one element and then just do it. But I also think, as you said before, like what I really hoped with this podcast is encouraging people just to try things that are a little bit different and giving people permission to break the norms, break the social norms, break the workshop norms. And in order to do that, it takes a bit of guts, but it also just takes like some reassurance that, hey, there's someone else out there that's trying this. And what I usually find is that every time I've tried something that's new or unique, I mean, either if it hasn't landed, at least I've learned something from it. But most of the time it does work because, it, again, it grabs the attention, it grabs the engagement. And, yeah, you're right. I have actually have not seen Tad Lasso yet myself. 
but I'm, I need to, I need to watch it because of that. And the facilitation blog, this is before the podcast. My original intention of that was finding great video snippets from TVs and movies and then creating like a YouTube playlist where it had, okay, take this scene from Lord of the Rings and use it to talk about courageous conversations. So that was where I love that. <laughs> that was the original intention. And then I was like, oh, it's really hard to find like clips and I oh, copyright, all that sort of stuff. But I think that would be, I mean, I think if, if someone was listening to this, please start that. Like, please start, let's just start create curating these great sort of one minute clips that we can show in our workshops. And there's um, a ton out there. I use some from like Ocean's Eleven, Superstore. Have you seen Superstore? I have not seen Superstore. Oh, it's fantastic. Like every episode, there is a snippet you could take to demonstrate something in one of your workshops. Noted, noted. Good to know. <laughs> and I will retweet what Leanne just said for any of our viewers who are interested in starting that. There's a market for it um, and a viewership that is ready for it. Mm. So when you talk about some of those like experiments um, that you try in those workshops, I think in our 2021 world and also looking into 2022, if there were ever a time where you as a professional, as someone considering consulting, uh, working on your facilitator business, both potentially in a solopreneur fashion or part of an organization, if there is a time to experiment and test things out that are normally off the cusp or a little bit off kilter for what, again, we're talking about expectations and intention, I think now is the most beautiful time for it because as folks are shifting well, there was a shift to virtual, then there was a shift back, and then there was a shift to, I'm going to call it chaos. Of, well, we're going back and forth with some things, and depending on where you are in the situation, it could be largely influential as to what you have at your disposal as far as mediums and capabilities and all that, all that good stuff. So where I'm going with this, Leanne, is part of that experimentation process always is going to lend to some trips and some stumbles and one of the beautiful things that we as facilitators get to do is when we stumble or we trip, it's typically live and we have to figure out a way to get back up on our feet and continue with whatever objective or activity or experiment that we're going for. And so what I would love to know, Leanne, is thinking about this past year, so all of 2021, are there any trips and stumbles that stick out to you from your experiences in workshops, in consulting, that you have found some valuable lessons for you think would be wonderful for our viewers here? Yeah, well, I think you spot on about the timing. What I found most encouraging about right now is that not only are facilitators in this position of having to just create things on the fly and improv and just take the technology and run with it, but we look at our governments. I mean, everyone is making things up on the spot. No one knows where things are going to go. But what I'm sensing is that you just there needs to be a decision. You can't just stay in sort of like limbo land and then it's, something needs to be done so you can move forward. Whether it's right or wrong, you don't really know until you've made that decision and, and carried it out, right? So my trips and stumbles over the last year, I think for a certain period of time, like most people, when this all started, I had this sense of, oh, it won't last long. It'll be a few weeks. We'll get back to the way things were. And so I kind of just resisted the urge to jump onto virtual. And then I thought, okay, let's, when I got the sign that this wasn't ending, then I went all in with that. And 
created this thing called Virtually Possible, where we sort of challenge that notion of are things, can you recreate the magic of in-person experiences? And I think to a certain element you can, and I still run with that, but at the same time, how good is it being back with people? So in terms of the trips and stumbles that I made, these are probably micro ones. And for some reason, it, the trip doesn't feel as severe as it would when you are in person. Like, like when you throw out a question in an in-person workshop and no one is answering, you kind of feel that a bit more like, oh, Absolutely. but on virtual, <laughs> it's kind of funny and you don't get that same effect because it seems more common, right? Anyway, so that was an early mistake was not being very aware of the questions that I was asking and tailoring the questions to the virtual environment. I was asking like, because in in a face-to-face, you can throw a workshop out, particularly to Australian audiences and people will chime back. It's very interactive. A lot of my work was working in virtually with, with countries like Asian countries where power status, people don't talk up, where there's a fear of being, if you're not right, then you shouldn't say anything. And so the questions that I was asking, they were suited more to that Australian audience, face-to-face environment, and that was my mistake early on. But saying that, I'm actually glad I failed early and failed often for that month or so because that really gave me then that reflection, the rel, (laughs) to to then go, all right, what is the right type of question? How do I scale this? How do I create that safety? Tech fails haven't been that severe. Like the Australian internet is not very, like the the speed of our internet is not great. And I got an electrician in to rewire that. So just doing what I do in real life, like try and mitigate and do my best to control things, knowing at the same time that things go wrong, but that's okay. And I think we were very lucky last year trying things out, as you said, because there was a bit more sympathy and empathy because we're all in this together. So yeah, nothing too severe. And I think that's also based on the fact that very early on in my facilitation career, I made so many mistakes, mistakes that I share on the podcast and once you, this is all about building resilience. It's actually not that bad a thing. So maybe I have made more mistakes, but I don't really call them that in my own mind. It's like I, I reflect and go, what can I do differently the next time? So that's sort of what I've learned. I think the, the not the twist of the words, but the reframing of those words, right? Not looking at these things, right? Like I also avoided using the word mistake when I wanted to ask you this question and obviously write my intentions here are just to figure out, you know, when we are right in these situations that we as facilitators, LED professionals, like find us in, things just seem to happen a bit more almost fluidly as we go from start session to figuring out what do we want to do and really understanding that the only thing that happens when you trip, whether I tripped up the stairs to get to my apartment or I stumbled walking down the ramp, taking my puppy for a walk, right? What do you have to do? Well, my puppy needs to go for a walk. So I'm, I'm going to have to stand back up. She's pulling me. We got to go. <laughs> so I want to ask one more question before we segue into what I think is going to be some interesting and pertinent news uh, for all of our viewers here. So the first question I want to ask before we get to that is um, a few episodes ago, I believe it's episode 188. It's not the first time you've brought on consulting guru, Alan Weiss. But you and I believe a bunch of other folks, I want to say, is it in the book.facilitator group That's it. that you've been running perfect? Yeah. And so that was an episode which for folks listening, I would highly recommend um, they go and listen to that one. And uh, it's where, you know, Alan is answering questions live from folks that are likely in similar or in comparable shoes to where you might find yourself. And in that episode, you had mentioned that you have been working with Alan as a mentor and coach for yourself. 
And I think as you know, folks are you know either in a virtual or a hybrid space, right? That idea and that reality of having someone that can mentor and coach you is not just powerful in its own right, but is only more powerful with what seems like right. We have, we're at a time where we seem to have a bit more of a a control and a grasp over the direction we want to take mm. our lives and careers. Mm. So my question for you, and this is very Jan style of, here is a whole minute of precursor to the actual question. And so my question is, can you speak to your thoughts around having a coach, maybe your process in finding one and what that has done for you and your career? Well, firstly, I'm really enjoying the precursors of the question. I love it. Like if, if you're watch, listening to this, um, I'm just animatedly just nodding and, and smiling as Yana's sharing his thoughts and even like going back to episode numbers. Like I so appreciate that. That's just the highest compliment really to, to know that people know what episodes what you spoke about what. So thank you. In terms of finding a coach, I actually recognize this very early on. And what I find most interesting about maybe people working in learning and development. Okay, so I noticed this internally when I worked in corporate is that the people who weren't doing learning and development were the people in the L&D teams. Like they weren't setting that time aside or they couldn't make certain events because they didn't have the time. And I thought, we've got to role model that. And so as someone who I, I sell coaching services, I sell workshops, right? I do that for people. I found very early on, maybe it was three or four weeks out of leaving my job back in February 2019, I kept going back to my old colleagues and I was like, hey, you want to grab coffees and let's talk through ideas? And I was like, I, I cannot do that. Like they've got their work to do. I'm on my own now. And I was, this came up in a conversation with the Booked Out Facilitator crew recently is like, you do get a bit lonely, right? And so I, as an extrovert, I get my ideas, but I talk them through with someone. I need someone to bounce ideas off. And I didn't have anyone three or four weeks in that I could do that with. So I recognized very quickly that I needed to, to pay to make that happen. And how did I find that person? It happened through the podcast. I had a call with Sarah McVannell. This was very early on in, I think it was episode 47. I don't know if that's right, but I felt like we were having a coaching call on the podcast. Like she was just saying things that really got me thinking and I was reflecting on our conversation. And so for me, it was having the luxury of being able to talk to someone that just really stimulated some ideas. She comes from a place of generosity, of recognition. I just loved her style. And it kind of was a no-brainer, really. It was more a question of, I, now that I, I don't have money coming in, do I invest this? And I think that's the hardest challenge when you leave. But I also have the philosophy that the best asset you can invest in is yourself. So it's not NFTs or shares or anything like that. It's like, <laughs> although I am into NFTs now, but it's in yourself. Like the, the payback is, it's remarkable, right? So I, I have no problem investing in myself. And I think that's something a lot of solopreneurs have to get over is like having that abundance mentality. So the process, I think if anyone doesn't have the luxury of talking to a Sarah on a podcast, but um, you mentioned Alan and yeah, in a different stage of my business, when I had that first conversation with Alan, that blew my mind. I share that conversation with everyone. He stopped me in my tracks. He told me on the podcast, my business model was wrong. Like who does that? <laughs> he, he went in there with, uh, you know, kind of like steel boots, almost like a Thanos-like gauntlet being like, I know what's going to happen and I'm going to share it with you at the point whether you're ready for it or not, but it's what you need. And so I thought that just kind of like uh, that approach to, you know, using his experience and sharing in a way that makes sense for your reality. Um, I thought that was both a kind of like a shock and a what a good shock it was. It was a shock. And I'm really left speechless. But 
again, it's the people that, so if anyone's thinking about a coach, it's maybe if you listen to a podcast, you hear someone and even a few weeks later, you're still thinking about what that person is saying. You know, they're challenging your thinking. That's probably the right person that you should consider, you know, is it, can anyone run their programs or should I work with them directly? And as you said, Jan, the luxury of virtual is that, yeah, now I get to work with Alan directly. I got to work with Sarah for 12 months and it was the perfect time for those two people in my lives. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And again, for, for any listeners, right, just taking that step. And I like the words that you use there, Leanne, of think about those individuals that have said something that has stuck with you, not just days, but weeks after that make you question or challenge your approach. Don't be afraid in a time of what seems like disconnection to reach out and make a connection. Um, I have worked with so many folks on you know topics of communication and resilience. And what I have found is I have never really heard of a, an instance where someone reached out and went, I shouldn't have reached out. The amount of, I don't want to use the word acceptance, but this almost like humility and just appreciation for, oh, this human being and professional wants to grow and they want me to be that catalyst for growth. I've never heard of any person be like, no, nah, that's not what I want to do. It's such <laughs> like, of course I want to help. And people really do go out of their way. So I just want to plug that little encouragement for anyone who's on the cusp of maybe I should reach out to him, her, or them, or not. I would say, does it hurt? And the worst thing that could happen is say, or as they would say, maybe not at this time, but we'll figure out something. Yeah. And that's why you're here because you reached out. I mean, I saw what you were writing on Twitter. You messaged me about an episode that impacted you and then what you did with it. I mean, thank you. I mean, you're, you've actually just role modeled that. So I completely agree with it. I think we often just, again, we're our own worst critic. And so we'll just play that worst case scenario in our mind. It's like, just put, do it out there. Like put it out there. No regrets. Like life is short. Absolutely. And specifically for anyone wondering, the episode that really stuck out to me recently professionally was uh, earlier this year, it must have been March-ish, um, there was an episode where uh, Leanne kind of went through a process to take a killer workshop and turn it into a killer keynote. And I kid you not, everyone who is listening, I had been asked and requested to deliver a keynote to a leadership group the week after that episode came out and I went, universe, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to take a step back here for a moment. I just need to check in with what's going on. And, but what, what that episode really went through and it kind of links back to our conversation earlier on just trying new and novel experiments is it took what was an expected approach to this. And it gave me an avenue to break those expectations and deliver something with a mindset with kind of this episode as a guide. So that keynote would not have happened or it would not have gotten the reviews that I was fortunate enough to get for not that episode. So there are just certain episodes that will click with certain individuals. And that's just kind of the beauty of what this podcast um, is and has done. Yeah. Uh, thank you. And I love hearing that. Like the fact that you know, I record this, no one's around. I put it out there and then you're over the other side of the world making an impact on your leaders as a result of 25 minutes of, of words just coming out of my mouth. It's amazing. So well done to you. Yeah, thank you. So here's what I want to do next, Leanne. You had mentioned earlier that your first tagline for your podcast was helping folks create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember the exact episode, but there was a shift to now you are helping folks book five more workshops 
after delivering one. Mm-hmm. And I think the growth and the pattern um, and almost the emphases that the First Time Facilitator podcast has taken really started out in a heavy, here are skills, here are tips, here are approaches to what can make facilitation shine and again, break those expectations and molds for the learner experience. And over the past year, maybe year plus, you through not just Booked Out Facilitator, but the podcast itself has really put an emphasis, not forgetting any of the skills and topics of that nature, but also really putting emphasis on, well, here is the solopreneur side of it. Here's the business side of it and consulting side of it. So here's what I'm going to do, Leanne. I'm going to ask how do you feel about the the growth and the trajectory of what First Time Facilitator has done and accomplished? And I will leave the floor open to you to also share the news with folks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jan. <laughs> yeah, I think you've definitely noticed a shift and I thought it was subtle, but maybe not. <laughs> because I think it's really grown with the podcast was started really from the intention of scratching my own itch. Back in the day, I, I shared this story all the time about an incident I had running a workshop in Canada. I was working internally. I had to run workshops. There were no other podcasts out there that talked about it. So I started with the craft and that stuck with me. And then when I left my business, the craft was important, but what was trumped by craft was actually how do I build this business, as you said. So that's where the shift has come from. It's from me as a host where I usually put my energy and I, I don't play this podcast with like any particular strategy. It really is where's the energy going? I mean, for a time there last year, it was like the first time virtual facilitator podcast because, right, right. you know, like, it was like the, for maybe two or three months, it was like, what do we do in this virtual space? So I just shifted the energy of the time and it really is built on the back of my own, my own itch. Now, what's, I mean, based on what we talked about with the previous conversation around coaching is in that podcast with Alan Weiss, he challenged me on my business model. He goes, well, you're so busy delivering. Uh, how are you going to create free time for yourself? And it, again, it got me thinking, like, have I built up a business on the back of just delivering workshops? And then another conversation that also sparked the topic of facilitation is I spoke to Phil Brown on his podcast, the Vertical Playpen, and we were talking about language, about linguistics and the word facilitation and how sometimes it is internal language right? And even if you look in the flip chart group, every month or so, someone's posting a poll in there about what is a facilitator, what is a trainer? And it's sort of, everyone's like divided on it. And it shouldn't be a divisive <laughs> word. But I also think facilitation as a skill set, when I talk to friends or even like a hairdresser and they ask about the podcast, they say, oh, it's about facilitation. Like they, they have no idea what it means. But meanwhile, I'm going, everyone needs this. Like everyone needs to hear how to gather people together, create great group dynamics, um, make people feel heard, right? It's a life skill. It shouldn't just be for facilitators. So where this is going is, <laughs> this is a really, I, I have spent all year thinking about this. At episode 200, I'm deliberating, am I pausing the podcast? Am I stopping the podcast? Episode 200 will be the last episode of First Time Facilitator. That's the first time I've yeah ever said that sort of publicly. And it's been a really hard decision to make because I'm ego attached to it. I love the the flip chart will still continue, right? Because I, again, but it's thinking about how can we make this more accessible to people? How can I not brand myself as a facilitator and maybe as an expert in creating strong connections? Like whatever that looks like, I haven't figured it out just yet, but that is the evolution. And I can't evolve any further under the tag of being the host of First Time Facilitator. Well, 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 I'm going to do a quick little round of applause solo in my downtown apartment. (laughs) So, well, congratulations, not just for 
creating and bringing together such a community. Um, I know that when I work with other facilitators just here based in the States, and I mentioned, oh yeah, some of these things that I learned from either the flip chart Facebook group, or if you've ever heard this podcast, first time facilitator, and it'll be a hit or a miss of like, oh, I have no idea what that is, or, oh, oh, I really know what that is. Mm. And so I think what has been created with now, I believe over 1600 members in that Facebook group have been not just these like niche enthusiasts of what that facilitation really accounts for and accomplishes. You have folks that are willing to put their foot in a door to learn and to grow. So not only for learners has the podcast done that, but it's really nice to see that kind of reflected 180 where there is a right time to kind of turn and grow yourself. So um, cheers to that, Leanne. I think that is a, a phenomenal time. And um, I'm happy to share the space where you share that with your viewers as well. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's hard, like, because you've listened to so many episodes, like you've been listening for a couple of years. And so that just weighs on your mind when you're making any type of decision. That was number one. Am I letting people down, right? That that was number one. Because the listeners have always, you have fueled it. If you're listening, you're fueling this podcast. Like you've kept the energy up for me. I couldn't have done it. I mean, that sounds very lame and very, very token, but I really couldn't. <laughs> I mean, it's kept it fueling. And a lot of the podcasts have been based on questions that you've sent me. And then it's also like, but I think also by role modeling that it's it's okay to call things to an end and to make tough decisions, even when you, you have no idea what lies ahead of you. I think that's important to role model as well. It's something I talk about a lot through as a theme of the show. And so I have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I actually like the, the neat bow tie of episode 200, even though there've been like a few bonus episodes, the official um, will be 200, which is insane. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fantastic. And another congratulations. So with that, I'm thinking of the podcasting experience, right? It's got to be very different. I can imagine between you as a host and all of us as viewers and probably even different for other guests that you've had on your show. And so now that we're kind of looking in the rearview mirror a little bit by the time this comes out, I'm curious, how are you going to remember or look back on the first time facilitator, which will exist on Spotify for the eons of internet to move forward? But what is it going to mean to you? How are you going to remember it? You're right, actually. It's very different experience. A common misconception people say to me is like, how are you so organized and how do you like push out these weekly podcasts as if it's just magic? And if you're, so that episode you referred to, the one about the keynote speech, I think that was written on the day and it was recorded in one take and then it was just released. Like I have been scrambling to knock that myth out of the, out of the park is, yeah, there's been a mix of being organized versus not. In terms of reflecting on the show, it's something I'm so proud of. But even some of those earlier episodes, I really don't like listening to because of my <laughs> style. But, if, but then I think of the type of like how I've evolved as well personally. So, um, Jan, you're on this. Like you're not a podcast interviewer, yet you're a facilitator, which makes you the perfect podcast host. Okay. So the value of the show is that not only through talking to people was I building my facilitation skill set, the process of interviewing people is uh, the parallel with facilitation is massive, like listening, taking a segue, moving something along if you want to get us to a certain point, keeping the time, all of that, like getting the best out of someone. So the value of just being a host and that will, there's no loss here. Like I'm not sensing any sense of loss aversion because it lies, like you said, it'll be around forever. The episodes will continue to help people that find it at the right time, that, you know, stumble upon first time facilitator when they need it. They'll be led down this whole journey. 
that's why I kind of like the evolution is they might start internally like I was, get tapped on the shoulder, run a workshop. Okay, now I'm confident. Now I want to do this for more clients. How do I make that exit and do that? So I think it's the perfect runway for that. So I'm very proud of it. But yeah, there's many memories of like being overseas. An episode hasn't uploaded. I have to find Wi-Fi, like just just scrambling together to get that 4 p.m. Monday deadline. I don't know what I'm going to do on my Mondays now for the next couple of months. I will be releasing (laughs) something new in the new year, but that's still TBD. The TB is very D on that one. (laughs) So um, this is probably a good point too, with that difference between kind of podcast hosts and all the things behind the scenes. I'd like to offer you a moment to essentially take the spotlight away from both of us for this episode. And were there any, or are there any individuals, any groups, any resources that you'd like to kind of shout out here that have been paramount for you in this process of putting together your show and this brand and everything that goes into it. So I invite you to reach out and shout out to any of those folks right now. Uh, It's such a lovely question. And so nice of you to to consider that because it does, it is, it is a team effort. Um, Definitely Chris, my husband, like all he hears about, like, especially if it's a Monday is I've got to publish the podcast or even if I can't do things in the weekend, I'm doing a podcast. So he's heard about it the most. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and my, my two dogs have to like throw out whenever I'm recording an episode, but they're just good for just sanity keepers and, and keeping it real. Diego, I talk about my audio engineer in Argentina, a legend. He just turns it around. I had to outsource editing because after some time you just can't do everything. He's capable. He's good with working with like, hey, Diego, I need this in 24 hours. And he'll turn it around. We work very different hours. Like he's more of a night owl. Gracie in the Philippines who does all the back-end work of getting the videos up, the, the hosting, all of that. Shout out to Gracie. I've also got like friend tools that I voice note and just talk to. Steph Clark is one. She's been on a couple of episodes. We keep in touch all the time. Yuri over in Singapore, who I thrash ideas around. Uh, Prina and Andy Storch are just people I'll put in that to that category as well of, of just friend tools that are just nice to have at the end of a line. Um, friend tour being friend mentor. Am I yes. mentally piecing that together? Friend, right? Yeah, that's a Jenny phrase. Friend tour. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? <laughs> yeah. So if you don't have a coach, you need a few friend tours in your corner. Ronsley Vaz, I'm going to get him on episode 199 of the podcast. So as a full circle moment, he was the one that started the podcasting conference in Brisbane. And that's why, I mean, that's the whole reason this podcast is around. The flip chart community. Yeah, the flippers. I love the flippers. As you said, it tracks not only facilitators, but people who geek out on this stuff and are open and willing to share. Ken Bergen, I've got to say, I was looking at some of the stats. I don't look at stats ever, but I did look the other day and he's like the number one contributor. So (laughs) it's... The name I recognize, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know when MBS talks about being a lazy facilitator? Yeah. I think Ken's enabled me to be a bit more lazier in the flip chart and he's been on the show as well. We've got Jonas, who was just super helpful. Jonas Rianto over in Finland the remote meeting guy, Wanda, Catherine Lloyd is in there, Dr. Catherine Lloyd. She's been on two episodes. She's the reason I started facilitating. And then shout out to Petra Zink, who's listened to every episode. One Again, another friend tour in Brisbane. Sorry, a couple more and then I'll move on. <laughs> the floor is yours, Leanne. No need to uh, oh, yeah, I, just, I just, yeah, it feels like you need to start playing like that violin music to wrap up my <laughs> acceptance speech. <laughs> Jenny Blake, Pat Flynn, MBS, I think are just people I really admire and I take a lot of inspiration from what they do. And yeah, just general communities. So the show up community we had last year. So I run these communities, but I also, I don't run it as the expert. I run it as the lead explorer. And so I learn from everyone that's involved and booked out facilitators this year as well. I think we were talking about just inspiration. Inspiration is everywhere. 
once you focus on a topic, I think you see linkages all around you. And I can't mention all of those, but yeah, it's, there's, there's a few people I'm sure I'm missing others and I'm sorry, but thank you everyone. Like if you, if you've listened, if you've reached out, thank you for doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. Leanne. I'm thinking of that metaphor that you threw out into our space here in our previous conversation just a few moments ago about like that runway and kind of how this podcast has been a runway and kind of a catalyst in its own right to various opportunities and various things like that. So I mean, part of my intention with some of these questions is to also just share some of that process and vulnerability with your viewers. Because again, if there's ever a time to give something a chance and you had mentioned stats too, right? How can we measure, right? Did this work? Did this not work? Well, this is a great time to take a moment and really be intentional about, am I going to try this? Yes. Why? What am I trying to accomplish? Did it work? Yes or no? No. Okay, let's go back the other way. Yes. Maybe we take that runway somewhere else. So I really do enjoy that metaphor as well. I think it's very valuable for all of our listeners here. So one more question I have for you, Leanne, and this is one of my favorite things to do um, based on a, a study that came out uh, just a handful of months ago from, I think it's INSEAD, might be I-N-S-E-A-D. But what they did was they took a lot of global organizations and they tried to measure and find which ones were the most resilient in a time where things seem anything but resilient and kind of fluctuating all over the place. And one of the things that they found was the most influential or the most impactful thing that all these measurably resilient companies do is they incorporate something called cognitive reframing. And so what cognitive reframing is, for our purposes and for general purposes, it's taking a look at a certain frame of time while putting yourself in a different frame of time. So you're kind of putting a particular lens to reevaluate or to measure something. So for our case here, Leanne, and this is the way I like to use cognitive reframing the most, is with the potential shift to a TBD project, a TBD project yes. that you alluded to. Yes. I encourage you to plop yourself, let's say one year in the future. So it's October 21st, 2022. So things have happened over the year of 2022. There have been Australian seasons, which I'm not familiar with, but here in the States, <laughs> We've gone through a winter, a spring, and a summer. And so what I want to ask is, based on all the things that you want to accomplish over the next year, come October 21st, 2022, how do you want to feel about what you've accomplished? And what are things that are on your radar that you want to experiment with, that you want to look back on and be proud of? This is the effort I put in, and this is what I wanted to do. Amazing. I love this question. I love this activity. I actually do it. Don Miller has a course. It's called Hero on a Mission. And you actually, so it's like you future cast. So the first thing you do, Jan, is actually you write your eulogy. <laughs> Sounds pretty morbid. But you I write. I love the term future casting and then we got the eulogy. And I was like, all right, I'm connected There's some contrast. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. But then you think, you know, you write and you start writing and you think, gosh, what do I want to be remembered for? And and then you work back. So 10 years, five years, and then, then a year. As I was working on, so one thing I do as well is I cast a vision for a year out and go, what does my perfect day look like? And it's like, okay, waking up, going for a run, you know, hanging out with dogs, having a great coffee, reading, whatever, hanging out with my husband. And then I think, hang on, I've got that right now. So first of all, appreciate that. That's great. I love my morning routine. So then it's like, okay, what, what is my identity? I think, who do I want to be? Jumping into that whole James Clear Atomic Habits to build a habit, you've got to create the identity. 
I want to be able to say to you, or if you're unavailable to talk to this time next year, maybe Malcolm Gladwell would be plan B. <laughs> would be, okay, okay. yeah, I mean, you're definitely a number one pick. I want to be able to say confidently, I'm a writer. I want to be able to say I write every day. My confidence is increased. Will I have a book out by then? I keep talking about it. I'd like to have a book out, but more important for me is saying I'm a writer. I think that's key. For the TBD thing, I really want to do the facilitation skill set more exciting, more inclusive, more accessible for people that don't think they need it. So I think there's a work and influencing there. I think media will be able to do it, but also writing, I think, is going back to the old school way of marketing. There's a real depth of thought that is more required when you write something well, and that would be it for me. And now it's boring, but that's it, the identity shift. You say boring. I think that is a wonderful and a tangible right thing that you can look forward to, right? I want to be able to define myself as a writer, right? When I think of myself in this space, I come and join as a L&D geek, a facilitator and other things as well. And for someone that might be similarly vibing with those words, right? Maybe in a year down the road, you want to be able to say, I am accomplished in this. I have achieved this. And that can help you direct your efforts right now. So I think with the way that you've described that, Leanne, right, that gives you quite a clear path, a very clear runway for you to be able to take effort on those things. So I think it's a phenomenal answer. Yeah, it is funny though, like, because I, I ran a marathon and I was like, oh, can I call myself a runner yet? Obviously, I sacked the evidence. It's like, I, I ran a marathon, I'm a runner. But to even say it, to create that identity, it takes a lot more work. So yeah, I'm looking forward to convincing myself of that. And I think it's a good exercise for anyone that's listening. I think, Jan, you, you threw it out at a perfect time before we get into the end of the year is like, what does that look like for you? And what would you like to say? And be brave enough to, I mean, for me to say I'm a writer, I feel a bit silly right now because I'm not, but we'll see what happens. Well, best of luck on your journey through that for all your successes and any trips that you might come to. Um, I'm sure it's all going to be super valuable and super enjoyable from your perspective. So with that, Leanne, I do want to give you just one more space. If there's anything you wanted to reflect on, anything that's just at the tip of your mind that you're like, well, I want to make sure I at least get this out um, before we move on and soon wrap up what has been a phenomenal journey in podcasting. I want to give you that space right now as well. Oh, thank you. And I think a lot of that will happen as I work up to episode 200. So I guess the call out would be, if you're listening now, I would love to invite you to, to leave an audio note. Um, I'll put details in the show notes for this episode because this show is about you and your development, what you've learned. So that's what I'm encouraging you to do. What's, um, what's most fresh for me right now is actually just reflecting on you, Jan, and how awesome you've been with this interview, like just showing all the skills of a great facilitator, your preparedness. So behind the scenes, everyone, like Jan, <laughs> it was a random request from me to Jan and he accepted it with enthusiasm, but that was built up over time. Jan has reached out, shared how much this has helped him. I love that he's an L&D geek. He's, he's involved in the community where he lives. There's a perfect role model. So if you are in that bracket of looking at the craft Podcast host, I, yeah. My reflection is Jan should host a podcast. That's my reflection. <laughs> like that's that's what I'm thinking. You were so good, so well prepared. Well done, well done to you, and thank you for this. Well, if I had to think of a name for a podcast <laughs> off the top of my head, I'd probably do like Jan with me, something like that. My name is oh, Jan. Yeah, 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 this is Jan. off the top of my head, so I'm just I'm riffing to nowhere here. So it's <laughs> <laughs> where it starts. Leanne, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to turn the microphone a bit 180 and allowing you to reflect kind of briefly before you do some final reflections in a handful of episodes here. Mm. So with that, 
I hope all of our viewers found something valuable. I think the journey and the resources you've reached out to are very commendable and things that I think would make a difference for myself and so many people listening to this right now. So could not be happier with the way that this conversation went. Me, you did an amazing job. Thank you so much, Jan. And yeah, listeners, two more episodes. So so strap in and thanks again. It was a real pleasure to be on the other end of the microphone. And I know how guests feel. It can be a little bit nerve-wracking. So it was a good, good experience <laughs> too. Thank you, Jan. Yeah. Cheers from the Midwestern United States, folks. We will see you soon. Thanks so much for sticking around. You've reached the end of another episode of the First Time Facilitator podcast. Connect with the show at firsttimefacilitator.com or follow me on Instagram at Leanne Hughes to find out what I'm up to during the week. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with someone who will also appreciate the insight and make it easier for yourself and subscribe to the show in your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and chat to you next week. All righty. And from whether this is, I'm not sure this is in the show or not, but I did take one of the kind of classic Wisconsin brewed only beers, which is a spotted cow made from nuclear. So I wanted to just give a quick little cheers to oh. you. I didn't want to do this in the show because I was like, eh, I don't know where alcohol is. I'm going to keep recording in, but... this. This is fantastic. I wish but... I, it's nine o'clock in the morning, so I can't return yeah. <laughs> Oh, but geez. here it is, 6 p.m. over me, or over by my end, so. What's it called? Spotted cow. This is a spotted cow. That looks fantastic. It is only brewed and sold in Wisconsin. Oh, so if okay. you That's or good. anyone in the flip chart world is ever looking for spotted cow and happens to be in Madison, Wisconsin, um, <laughs> feel free to shoot me a message. I'd be happy to share a beer um, in a safe <laughs> setting, wherever that may be. Yeah, yeah, that sounds awesome. <laughs>